0: Welcome to the Spent the Rent podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is Molly Markarian, the senior planner from the City of Springfield Development and Public Works. And we are here today talking about the Main Street Safety Project. Molly, can I call you Molly?
1: Sure, that's
0: fine. Uh, it's so much easier. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. This is a personal favor for Mayor Sean Van Gordon. When Mayor Van Gordon reaches out to me and says, Hey, we have this project that's not getting a ton of attention. I'd love to you to spotlight it you know that I always jump on it. And so it's always an honor to be included in the conversation. I appreciate you doing this with me today. And so we're going to get right into it. The main street safety project. Tell me what the main street safety project is and why it is so needed.
1: Um, well, so the main street safety project, um, is addressing the very real safety problem on main street. Um, And during what we call the planning phase of this project, um, we are identifying infrastructure solutions um, to make it safer for people walking, biking, driving, and taking transit on Main Street. Um, Why why is it um, so needed? Um, There are a lot of crashes on Main Street. Um, It's one of the most Unsafe city streets in the state of Oregon due to the frequency and severity of crashes.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, 126 Main Street becomes 126 for anybody that's not familiar. We're talking about Springfield, Oregon. I know a lot of people in Eugene, uh, maybe not aware of just how hectic, you know, 42nd primarily can get. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. That's a, an intersection that there's constantly wrecks there's constantly power poles getting hit which then shut off power for you know a section of town for at least a few hours sometimes and i have to give a shout out to sub they are amazing on the springfield utility board on getting that up and nowadays with social media there's there's groups that are sometimes toxic but at least there's information quickly on you know what happened there's a car wreck and there's there's obviously uh amateur journalists on the scene very fast that, that you can find the information about, you know, what happened. But yeah, that's a big problem. So I do want to talk about 42nd in a bit. Now we're talking about the stretch between 20th and 72nd. Is that correct?
1: Yep. It's about a five mile stretch. Yep. And
0: the on, the on your website, which we're going to talk at length about, but anybody listening, uh, and I'll mention this again multiple times, you can go to MainStreetSafety.org and there's a lot of really good information and also ways that the community can have public comment, uh, reach out to you with suggestions, criticisms, whatever. Everything's welcomed uh, and come on, please be civil people. (laughs) And so now traffic is set, statistics are showing traffic should increase by roughly 20 to 30% over the next two decades. So this is also something that if we're having an issue today, with uh, pedestrian fatalities, we got to do something before it's too late. So. Uh, yeah,
1: I, and I would, you know, our project team would say it's already late. And so we need to do something now so that we can um, reduce fatalities, lessen injuries, lessen, like you said, property damage uh, moving forward as we see increases in traffic.
0: Let me ask you a little bit about you real quick before we get into the, the you know, the dirt of the whole project. How did you get involved with this project?
1: Uh, Well, I've worked um, as a city planner for Springfield for about 14 years, and um, I've done a lot of different aspects of planning at the city. But um, most recently, I've been focusing on infrastructure planning. And, um, you know, we needed to. So in 2016, ODOT programmed, I think it was almost $4 million to Install raised median treatments on that stretch, 20th to 72nd on Main Street. Um, and they also uh, awarded the city funding um, to do this collaborative effort with ODOT um, to work with business and property owners, work with the broader community to come up with a concept that would both address safety and would also meet uh, the community's goals. And so that's when we started in 2018, this project.
0: And then this, this there's right now, there's a lot of road construction happening kind of near Mohawk and that's a separate thing. Is that correct? That's totally separate. separate. Also
1: something that's separate is that, um, this spring ODOT, um, allocated, I think it's $10 million to hotspot, uh, high, uh, traffic safety, um, challenged areas around the state and Springfield um, got 3 million of that to do immediate safety upgrades. So we're doing lighting. Um, I mean, ODOT's doing it in collaboration with the city, but lighting, uh, striping, better signage, and that just, that had to happen in a very short uh, period of time and um, will enhance whatever we're doing as part of the safety project.
0: I think one of the easiest ways to talk about this project is to talk about some of the misconceptions, (laughs) you know, so on the website, you guys are very clear about kind of addressing some of what I would imagine have been early criticisms and fears or concerns about a direction that the project could go. So let's talk about some of that. Uh, The first one that you mentioned on the website is, is LTD is involved, but LTD is not it. This is not a lane transit district project. Is that is there a lot of concern? Is there a lot of talk about maybe an MX coming out to that area? Is that something that, that you've been hearing?
1: Yes, I mean, there have been so many um, projects, uh, planning related projects on Main Street over the last uh, decade plus. Um, and in fact, one of them was the main mcVeigh transit study that was looking at, at transit possibilities uh, for the main street corridor and the McVeigh corridor and that project uh, kind of took a pause in 2016 and then became um, we integrated and coordinated with them as we moved this safety project forward. but a lot of people who engaged early on in that, transit study maybe didn't track that you know the changes and the shifts and still think oh this is going to be MX and this is an LTD project but it isn't
0: personally and these are my words i am a big fan of the MX i think it's very effective and so i know there's been a lot of criticism by businesses but i think West 11 has seen it's been effective so this is not involved with that that's for a later date but i'm i actually think it is it has been effective the construction was was in Eugene was done In my opinion, methodically to where it didn't cause, uh, you know, so much disruption that people's hair caught on fire. Uh, Now, we're going to talk today about this project, which is again not involved with that. It's not an MX project, but the construction will be methodical. It's going to be done over time. We'll get to that. Uh, The next misconception uh, this will not, this is a big one, I'm sure, for people. Uh, This will not prevent all left turns on main street. Now you had mentioned raised meridians. A big one is on 13th street in, in Eugene, right near campus, there's raised meridians. And so there's sections where you can only turn left at certain areas and it allows there because there, Eugene is extremely bike friendly. So there's a bike lane that's widened, that, you know, keeps people safe. Talk about why that was something that needed to be mentioned on the website, the, the, the fear or the concern of not having left turns.
1: Sure. I mean, I think when people hear that we're looking to install raised median treatments along five miles of Main Street, they think of like, oh, maybe there'll be a Jersey barrier down all of Main Street. And that's not uh, what we're talking about. We, um, in fact, uh, through a lot of our community engagement tested out um, if people wanted us to focus only on safety or to focus only on business access or find the middle ground and that's uh, what we've done. And so we're taking a balanced approach to the raised median framework that um, we are recommending. And so um, raised medians would do the most to address safety on Main Street. Um, And so in terms of the locations of medians, what we have at this planning stage are um, I think they're like 15 or so guiding principles that are in the draft facility plan that kind of provide the sideboards for the design engineers um, when they get to the design stage. So, for instance, there will be openings at all arterial and collector streets. There'll be openings at some of the local um, streets. There will be openings in front of the fire stations. There will be a mountable, um, the median will be mountable for, um, police and fire emergency vehicles, um, to get over it. Um, in, there may be certain businesses that are huge traffic generators, and so we would look at maybe not putting a median in front of that, you know, and so that is how we're trying to say, we're not preventing all left turns. There will be openings.
0: Right. Dairy Queen. <laughs> it's one of Dairy <laughs> Queen lines up to the street sometimes. It's wild. Uh you know, when they put in the crosswalks, the I'm I've always been kind of my my personal opinion is I worry about the safety of those crosswalks for pedestrians because they don't see when it's time to walk. You just hit the button and they go. They seem to work and they do slow down traffic, and it's good because I've known personally people that have died on main street. Also a good friend, and I'm sure he's okay with me mentioning, I mentioned it off air, Zach Bissett. He used to be on the school board before that years ago, he had a pedestrian jump in front of his car on main street, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and he was unable to drive for a while because it shook him so much, you know, and we talked about that on the podcast. That's why I feel like it's okay. If I mention it, uh, the next one you mentioned is it would not, need extensive new right-of-way, it would not need extensive new right-of-way. And I need you to kind of explain to me what you mean by that.
1: So um, there's three, com- three main components to the toolbox that we're recommending. So they're roundabouts, um, raised medians, and street cross-sections. So what the travel lane, sidewalk, bike lane, you know, landscape strip would look like all across the street. And so um, a lot of people are concerned that we would just come in and make the upgrades in a one size fits all approach to the entire corridor. And so in terms of the street cross sections, we have three different basic cross sections. One's called constrained width, and that's essentially no change to the between the curbs. And we would use that um, in order to implement the medians more quickly in the earlier phases. Then there is um, what we call the active transportation enhanced cross-section. And that is a fairly wide cross-section because it really provides a safer and more comfortable environment for people walking and biking. And what we've done, though, is we are only identifying that long-term cross-section for the segment from roughly 52nd to 58th, because there's a lot of existing right-of-way already. So again, we wouldn't be taking more right-of-way to put in that broader
0: cross-section.
1: And then for most of the corridor, it's what we call the balanced street width cross-section. And that would result in approximately four feet of land, beyond the existing street curb curb to curb that would be required in order to make those upgrades. Again, we have a a huge table in the uh, draft facility plan that goes segment by segment on the corridor and identifies modifications that could be made. So for instance, if a building is right up against the right of way already, obviously we can't implement that right there so those kind of
0: situations so you mentioned that section uh what did you say 50
1: i believe it's 52nd to 58th
0: that is an area just from my observation that uh bicyclists the visibility from a car is very questionable so that's i mean it's good that these things are being taken to account because i do see every time i go to if i'm heading out towards like albertson's or whatnot i do see bikes where i'm like whoa like they pop up and you don't, you didn't see them. So this stuff is so vital. Now let's talk about specifically if we can 42nd. And then I want to talk about Bob's drop those two sections on what is there, is it, are we in a position today to even talk about potentials on what let's start with 42nd? Cause that's probably one of the highest, uh, traffic areas. And there's a lot of wrecks, you know, right there. And like I said, I mean, it seems like I've heard it quite a bit. Power poles getting hidden maybe a car hits another car, they veer off. And, you know, and then you talked about high traffic. That's an area with Dutch bros that's extremely popular. And now that it's a publicly traded stock that I'm a shareholder of <laughs> that, that they <laughs> are. It's, I, I don't know if that has any effect. I think that school being back in session, you're seeing an uptick. I mean, it's, it's, It's popping. So that area is very busy. What is, is where, would that be where kind of a roundabout would be put in? I just can't visualize it.
1: Yeah. So we actually, and it's in the draft plan. I mean, so, and it's a little harder to describe. But we ha- what we have uh, is a whole phasing, a recommended phasing of improvements. And the first phase, I mean when we're taking into consideration safety, feasibility, you know of various factors and creating that phasing, the first phase um, that we recommend is between 30 second and 40 second. And so it would be a median, uh, and not an not a unobstructed um, median the entire way between 32nd and 42nd. There might be breaks, but median um, and then a roundabout at 32nd and 42nd. The roundabouts are really essential. I mean, not not only for safety purposes, but combined with medians. And we heard this from the community. Make sure to pair the medians and the roundabouts because the roundabouts enable U-turns, especially for freight. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's effective. So. It's, a, it's extremely effective. I know people are like, ah, you know, and I just got back from Ireland and I know that there's going to be a crowd in, in this section of town that's going to be like, that's Europe. I don't want it. Well, they're, <laughs> well, they're wrong because the roundabouts are incredible. There's, mm-hmm. there's double exit roundabouts in Ireland where it's, it's scary because you're on the wrong side of the road and it's quick. But once you get it down, it actually keeps the flow of traffic moving faster. Not, oh, speed, right not speed, not speed-wise, but pace, and mm-hmm. so I can I can not to get off track, but I can visualize that being extremely effective. And then you were saying raised meridians, from a driver's perspective, if say that I lived on a road that was an off road that's not, that's got a raised meridian, maybe a roundabout, you have to go a block or whatever past, and then you were, you know come around, it actually might be easier than a left turn. You might be faster in the long run than a left turn when you're sitting there with traffic for for a long time.
1: Yep. And that's again part of our balanced approach with the um, medians is that we don't want. I mean, and this is also based on community feedback and their their acceptance of it. Is we don't want to see. We want the out of direction travel to be no more than thirty to sixty seconds on average. So we're not talking about you know having to go twenty minutes out of your sure. out of direction in order to circle
0: back the one thing is is during the construction phase you know there'll be tremendous challenges obviously uh in the in the process but it said in your note in the in the addressing misconceptions this is not going to be built all at once i mean this is going to take five to twenty years is that correct
1: at least, yeah. at least. So yeah. it's a twenty-year plan, but when you look at the price tag of the upgrades that we're talking about, you know, securing funding for every phase and going through design and construction, it's a it's a long-term process.
0: And we didn't mean five to twenty years to go check your BuyMart number on Tuesday. That's not no. It's going <laughs> to take. They're going to do it, like I said, methodically earlier. Where they're, you know, they're these are very well thought out plans on how they do it, so that it tries really not to disrupt too much at one section at one time. You know, it'll go, you know, each section at a time. Uh, you know, this project you said started in 2018, has COVID, which, you know, obviously hit in 2020, how has that impacted the launch and the beginning of this project?
1: Sure, it didn't impact the the launch in the beginning, but it did impact kind of like the middle <laughs> of it. We were, we were just about to actually start and, Um, online open house, our second online open house um, in March of 2020. Um, So fortunately, uh, the format was an online open house. uh, And so it was more, okay, we had to extend the online open house. We had to reach out again to folks to remind them um, that we were doing the project, that we were still interested in feedback and engagement. Um, And then I would say in moving on from that we have had to adjust uh outreach we were going to have a series of in-person local access forums with business and property owners uh last year and we had to move that to an online format um and so i think kind of like everyone who's had to adjust and adapt we've had to do that
0: i'm actually kind of a fan of some of the online stuff i think it brings a different Uh, people talk about access. There's some people that don't have internet and I'm like, well, I think there's some people that don't have the time to go to a public meeting. So (laughs) I think it, it goes both ways. I think that having both options is really beneficial. And I know that city council is talking about doing that in the future and they're doing it now. I mean, you can see the videos streamed and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah.
1: And we offered also that if people didn't have internet or were uncomfortable, you know, using zoom or whatever, that they could come to city hall right, and use the computer there and we could, you know, assist. Sure. So
0: I, I kind of jumped around. Uh, we were going to, we talked about the, kind of the 42nd area, uh, Bob Straub. I, I want to, this is going to, this kind of goes into my next question about the, the major challenges. I know that this section is going to be probably one that you'll get a lot of, uh, feedback we'll just say that what is what is kind of a proposal on that section because that is a busy area with you know you've got on ramps to the freeway to go 126 heading west you've got you know heading out towards pleasant hill you've got going to albertson's biomart like i had mentioned and then heading out deep 126 heading east like if you're going up to mckenzie that's a very hot area with a lot going on and like i said visibility with bicycles they're out there on, a, on an island sometimes and it, it can be pretty questionable. So what is kind of proposed for that section?
1: So Bob Straub, that whole um, intersection is uh, part of what we call an interchange area management plan area. Um, and when we uh, determined the scope of this project with ODOT, Um, back in uh, before 2018, um, ODOT identified that we wouldn't um, identify specific upgrades to that interchange area as part of this project. And so what we have identified in um, phase 2A of our phasing plan would be to um, identify the appropriate long-term solution at Bob's job with a interchange area management plan. So not an easy answer, not yeah, a yeah. You know, design answer, but we are looking in the future for that.
0: So it's not necessarily a big change will happen there. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? That's kind of, That's, cause I mean, it's
1: not, I mean, not in terms of the on ramps and things like that. Right. I mean, fifty eighth, yes, we are talking about that, you know,
0: cause that so. section is pretty effective. It's pretty, it's pretty well, it works, you know? I mean, I know obviously there's going to be wrecks because human drivers you know you know and that's something that can't be avoided 100 percent, ever unfortunately but uh yeah i mean i could see also the construction phase would be very difficult to Mm -hmm. set up detours and all that what yeah how does that look i mean the planning process i don't know if i can get a layman's term answer on this but you know like 42nd where would i mean detours how long do you think each section would take i mean would that be a detour that could last months or would it be something that would be pretty efficient. You know, a lot of times the work would be at night and that kind of stuff, but
1: sure. You know, um, I mean, for starters, we have to identify the funding for that first phase, and then we have to do the detailed engineering design, which could take, you know, a year to two years to do that and then and that's you know working with the business and property owners also and then you know construction would happen you know I would have to defer that to one of our engineers as to really you know how that might
0: hang out
1: but we know that we need to address signage and access during um, construction for sure to support the businesses.
0: You know, what is the biggest or the most major challenge that you've foreseen since the beginning of this project? It sounds like that might be it. It's just kind of really getting the nuts and bolts, you know, getting the whole framework of it because it's a big undertaking.
1: Yeah. And I would say that, you know, one of the most frequent pieces of like feedback or questions or concerns that we hear from residents and property owners and business owners is, they they want the detail of what exactly is going to happen at my property. And what we're doing right now is establishing the framework to inform that design. And so we can't, we don't have that answer. Yeah, and so right. that is a challenge.
0: Yeah. Uh, now you had mentioned uh, questions people would have. What are the kind of things that help? I mean, I guess, like I said before, MainStreetSafety.org is the best place uh for people to give public comment and correspondence between you so that they can give their feedback what is the kind of stuff that you are look what are the kind of things that you're looking for uh to really for the community to help push this project along so that it can be beneficial to everybody
1: um, well, to hear their feedback on the draft plan, I mean, we have, there is a, a fact sheet on the website um, for, specifically for the draft plan that we hope, you know, is a, is a little bit easier to digest than the, you know, 100, almost 100 page document. Um, and to hear, you know, does this um is this plan going to address the safety problem? Is it done in a way that's sensible um, and reasonable? Um, You know, that's the kind of feedback that you'd like to hear.
0: You know, I do think the major takeaways, I think the big thing is is that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. There'll be a combination of raised meridians, roundabouts, like you had said, 30 to 60 second turnaround. if you do have to go past a couple blocks, I know it's frustrating if you haven't for a long time, but I think people will find once it's once it's implemented, that can be really useful and safer. There's a lot of times where I've wanted to turn, you know left and I'm sitting there across traffic and it's just I'm like, this is I've actually, because I'm kind of a I'm a weirdo, I didn't get my driver's license until late in life when I first started driving, I was not 16. So I had a little bit of risk assessment (laughs) skills. (laughs) And so I did some stupid thing, not stupid, smart things. Really. I would drive a few blocks out of the way to get a light sometimes. And I know sometimes people are like, I'm going to avoid a light. And I'm like, well, that's dangerous. But because there's, there's points of main street that it's just so hectic and depth perception for some, some drivers, whether it's you know, vision impairment, or just the fact that there's so much going on, <laughs> you know, right. and I think sometimes yeah. people don't want to address their limitations when it comes to that, especially when they have massive trucks, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but, but uh, I appreciate you doing this. This is really cool to get to be, like I said, involved in the conversation. Uh, Mainstreetsafety.org is the website. Like you had mentioned before the fact sheet, I think it's called fact sheet number six. On there, mm-hmm. there's going to be links on that website to that. And that is extremely useful. That's basically what I kind of picked the questioning from. And there's a lot of information there. And there's a lot of opportunity for people to give public comment. I'm really impressed with what I've seen by the city of Springfield uh, with the local government in accessibility. Everybody is an email away. Everybody will respond to you, you know. And mm-hmm. we had talked about doing this podcast a few months back and I was busy. And and every time I've said, Hey, can we push it back to this date? You like clockwork. We're like, that's the date that I'm going to respond. And so I, I appreciate, you know, your punctuality with that kind of stuff. It's really great. I think we've got a great leader with Sean Van Gordon and then city council is doing a great job too. Springfield's a great community. Like you had said, you've, do you, you've worked with Springfield for 14 years. I don't know if you live in Springfield either way, I think that you're, you know, obviously live in the area. You probably take a ton of pride in, in what Springfield's doing. What is it that brought you to Springfield? What was it specifically about Springfield that, that kind of caught you?
1: I think, um, Springfield's can do attitude is, is really refreshing. Um, as you mentioned, Um, and so I'm actually originally from the the East Coast and um, I I came to Oregon and really fell in love with it. And then once I got my planning degree, um, applied to a number of organizations locally, but um, Springfield really, Is a great place to be.
0: It's pretty good. And it's totally fine if you tell your family back east about Eugene and and Springfield because it's harder for them to move. But you just can't tell anyone from California how much you love it. That's one one rule we have. No, it's funny how people say that. Uh, Well, Molly Markarian, I appreciate you. Appreciate the work you're doing. Anybody listening, go to the MainStreetSafety.org website. That's MainStreetSafety.org. And uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this.
1: Thank you
0: very much. I'm going to end this with a song. This is a local MC with a new track. uh, It's called Self Care. And he was my very first guest. So every time he comes out with a single, as soon as I have a chance, I drop it in. It's a very deep track. I don't know if it fits the topic, but I think that of of this podcast, but it's a great song nonetheless. So Molly, thank you very much. And this is Ender One with Self Care.
2: You ever have flashbacks of trauma, easily triggered, like you don't need a gun, cause you are the loaded weapon, I wonder if that's the karma, showing me flashing pictures, playing with my guilt, like lawyers and co-defendants, like if I'm really not guilty, why am I so defensive, like I gotta convince myself of my own intentions. A prisoner of my emotions And I f***ing hate to admit it But I'm the guy who wrote that sentence My heart is too broke to mend it Say you love me, hope you meant it Honestly don't have that many So I hold on close to friendship Eyes rolling, I can sense it Might as well wear and every Co-dependent, that says I'm codependent. I ask, is this really what the good lord intended? Survivor's guilt so real, can't enjoy my own blessings Violence and aggression, I cycle through each lesson To find temporary peace like I don't own it, I just wrench it because I'm getting tired of this old pair of shoes I've been running most of my life, for most of my life I've been hiding skeletons in my closet, guarded and locked up tight like, if I don't see them, then they aren't there. But I still feel them breathing when they come up for air. Yay, I'm done saving everyone else. Now I gotta try to save myself. In one hand is my pen, it's like a rusty shovel. I used to dig up certain skeletons that are tearing me up, and it isn't right, but what's left in the other? Is the baggage I can't drop So I carry a grudge like old books you blow off The air is just dust Even the covers almost ripped like they could tear with your to touch Feels like a smoking gun Fresh from a Derringer slug My hands dirty from those stories Still buried in the mud I've told you everything, I swear I've shared enough Knowing I'm lying like OJ in the court Wearing that glove Now I'm the old dude in a t-shirt That I wear to the club That says I miss the days When I didn't know what self-care was I'm going to therapy twice a week They tell me to share and I'm trying to speak But all my words are falling off Like I can't find the beat I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired I took the kerosene They poured on me and lit the I'm a survivor, so wait, oh you need help? Then sure I can be your rock And if we talk, you can trust, I won't let a sentence be known All I ask is you at least make a little effort to walk Cause just cause I'm solid, don't mean you use me as a stepping stone, mother. I'm getting tired of this old pair of shoes I've been running most of my life, for most of my life I've been hiding skeletons in my closet, guarded and locked up tight like if I don't see them, then they aren't there. But I still feel them breathing when they come up for air. Yeah, I'm done saving everyone else. Now I gotta try to save myself.